So open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 16, verse 11. I want to bring a message to you this morning on the subject of abide. To abide. What does abide mean? Well, to abide means to dwell. It means to live in. It means to settle down in. The Word of God has a pathway for you and I to follow. It is the pathway of His presence. The Scripture declares in Psalm 1611 that He will show us the path of life. For in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God has given us a path, a path of His presence, that the world cannot get on without being blood-bought and born of God. But you that are purchased by blood, you that have been cleansed by the blood, and delivered from the power of darkness, and translated over into the kingdom of His dear Son, you have a right to be on the path. And this path takes you to the throne of grace whereby you can have a face-to-face relationship with the Lord. And if you want to get on the path today, dear friend, I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ because He is the only way to the Father. No man can come to Him except you come through Jesus Christ. Now, in life, there are things that confront us. In life, there are tests. In life, there are trials. There's some times that life just doesn't seem fair. But thank God we've got the antidote for life's challenges. It is the Word of God. It is the presence of God. It is the power of God. And in the presence of the Lord, listen friends, you can face tomorrow. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it will strengthen you in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. In your midnight hour, God will, pop, will shower out His power. In your midnight hour, God will see you through. If you will be an abider and not a temporary drop buyer. If you will be a person that doesn't live from Sunday to Sunday. But you live every day in the presence of God. You live under the spout where the glory of God comes out. Shalomahaya. Glory to God. Is that you? I'm telling you, that's me. And so what we must do then is we must maintain this vital union that we have with the master. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. No man that lives apart from this vital union with the vine can bear any fruit. But the good news is, is when you got saved, you're hooked up. Glory to God. You're connected to those that are in high places. You are, hallelujah, a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Look at John 15, 4 and 5, amplified version, if you would, please. Amen. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High 
He that abideth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. I love that. You got the Most High and El Shaddai bumping into one another. And under His place, the secret place, there is protection. In His presence, there is strength. There is joy. There are pleasures for your life forevermore. Amen. Ready, read. Go ahead. Dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in or being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit. Verse 5. Go ahead. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do what? We can't do anything without him. So then, it is vital that we maintain this union and this communion with him. Rufus Mosley said, we need to maintain or keep the union. You see... Being united with the Lord is like being united with your wife or with your husband. You become one. I found a verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians 6 where it says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. One translation says, He that is united to the Lord is one spirit. The word united carries with, this, with it this thought to be laminated. Or to be glued. So as to become one substance. Glued together. You are glued together with Him. And so in this lesson today on abiding. The question would be. Are there blessings? Are there benefits in abiding? Are you kidding me? Oh, the blessings of the Lord. They make you rich. And he doesn't add any sorrow with it. There are blessings for abiding. Jesus said it this way. If, here's conditional. You abide in me. And my words abide in you. What will happen? You will ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. How many of you enjoy your prayers being answered? Well, Pastor Mark, what if I ask for the wrong thing? You won't do that when you're vitally united with Him. You're not going to want anything outside of His will or His Word because you're dwelling in Him. He's dwelling in you. His Word is abiding you unto overflowing. And then your prayers just become a result of having His Word in you in abundance. And as you pray... He will answer your prayer and give you a joy that's way beyond this world. All the blessings of abiding in Him. You see, the number one way that we abide in Him is we abide in His Word. That's what we're doing right now. But I'm not talking about the Word on occasion. I'm talking about having the Word of the Lord in your life as a daily, daily meal. He said in Matthew, he said, man should not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. How do I know then, Pastor Mark, that this word is abiding me, abiding me, abiding in me in abundance? Got my tongue twisted. Come out. Okay, there we go. We're back. How do you know? I mean, how do you really know that his word is abiding in you? Turn me to Proverbs chapter 6. Let's look at verse 20 through 22. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that we can maintain union and communion with you. You know, people spend so much of their lives maintaining other things. We maintain the lawn. Well, some of us do. Maintain, you know, the the house. Most of us do. We spend our lives sort of like in a maintenance mode, don't we? And those things are important. It's important to work. It's important to clean the house. important to make sure there's groceries, so forth and so on. But those, friends, are not the most important things. You know, people that tell me, I don't have any time to be in church... Or, I don't have any time to be in the Word. Or, I don't have... Well, do you have time to go to the doctor? Do you have time to watch television? Listen, you don't not have time to be in the Word. This Word is vital. It is what stands between us and destruction. It is what stands between you and annihilation. If I did not have this word in my life, living vitally in abundance, I wouldn't be alive today. I know I'd be dead. I'd be six foot under. Somebody says, yeah, because you're not a Christian. No, even as a Christian. If I did not have this word living in me vitally, I'd be dead. Some sickness and disease would have got me a long time ago. But oh, thank God. I found the Word. And I found out the Word of God is true. And the Word of God is good. And it is medicine and health to my entire being. Oh, somebody shout amen. See, a lot of people wait until they face something diabolical to put the Word in their heart. A lot of people wait until all hell breaks loose before they put the word in their heart. And God's merciful. And God is graceful. But his word was never intended to be like a spare tire on the road of life. Some of you have gone down the road and experienced a flat tire. And, oh man, I hope I got a flat. I hope I got a tire in the back. Wondering whether it's there. You should not be hoping whether you've got enough word in your heart account to overcome the things that are going to come your way. Listen, friends, the trials of life come to all of us. I don't want to be a doomsday preacher. It's just a fact. By virtue of living in this world and living in a physical body, you will face adversity. And if your strength is small in the day of adversity, you will faint. But on the other hand, if your strength is great, if you're built up by the word of the living God, 
if you spend time praying in the Holy Ghost, this word is able to, glory to God, it's able to build you up, brother, and to give you an inheritance to where anything that comes your way, you're ready. You talking to me, devil? Are you talking to me? Pull your sword out. Keep it sharp. Don't allow your life just to float by. Don't live in a K-sara-sara mode. Whatever will be, will be. No! No! Not whatever will be, will be. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not the devil's will. Not the circumstances of life's will. But the king's will. And the king's will and the king's word are one and the same. So maintain that union. Vital union. How do I know? How do you know when the word of God is really abiding in you? I'll tell you one way you know is what comes out of your mouth. When you experience the press. Come on now. The press is the pressure. I'll guarantee you, what's on the inside of you will come out of you. And that's why Jesus said that out of the good deposit of a good heart, a man shall speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. Are you here today? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 through 22. How do I know? His word. He said in verse 20, my son, keep your father's commandments. Forsake not the law of your mom. Verse 21, 22. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. Verse 22. Read it with me. When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it'll keep you. And when you awake, it will talk with you. Guess what? If the word of God isn't talking to you, there's a deficit in your heart account. What do you mean the word talking to me? I'm talking about when you wake up in the morning, God's word should be talking to you. And if God's word ain't talking to you, you should be talking the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the Bible says, in all wisdom. God's word will talk to you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, how many of you have a bank account? How many of you wish there was more in it? <laughs> now, you may have made a deposit of maybe $3,000 six months ago. But no deposits since then? You know what that means? You in trouble. Because you've already withdrawn by writing out checks on various things from your bank account. If there is no deposit, there is no... Well, listen, let's bring it over to this way. You also have a heart account. Somebody says, you know, Pastor Mark, I faced a real serious sickness and disease last year. And I read the Word of God on healing scriptures for six months. And I want you to know that I came through it. But it's a year later and I'm battling now the same thing. What have you been doing the last six months? You see, what happened is 
you put the Word of God in your heart account, and what was in your, in your heart account subsided you and carried you through that. But how many of you know that faith doesn't come by having heard? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's not yesterday's manna that fed the children of Israel. They came out every morning for fresh manna. And that's what we must do with our heart account. Now, in our bank accounts, we're limited what we can deposit in there. I mean, let's be honest about it, okay? We're limited what we can put there, but not in this account. You're unlimited what you can place in your spirit. And friends, it is the heart of man. It is the spirit of man wherein the, the, the issues of life flow. Faith is in your heart. Keep it fed. Say, I'm going to do that, Pastor. So number one, we abide by being in the Word. Number two, we abide by being a worshiper. Through worship, you and I can live in a constant state of acknowledging His goodness. Psalm 65, verse 4 says, and just listen to it. Blessed is the man that you choose. You're chosen of God. Blessed is the man that you cause to come before the throne to approach you. That he may dwell in your courts. Now listen. He said, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. That's awesome. You know, there is nothing in this world that can satisfy the longing soul like he can. I know that to be true. I experienced a lot of different things looking to fill that emptiness in my life. I've been high on this and high on that. But you know, the things that you get high on the natural, you come down from. And you can't have to keep feeding that empty void through substances or through sexual relationships or through money. It doesn't matter what it is. When a person is empty, they're empty. And though there may be a filling temporarily, it's a fake filling. It ain't the real thing, baby. Pepsi's not the real thing. Cocaine's not the real thing. Winning the lottery is not the real thing. I know I'm getting animated, but I like it. Only he can satisfy the longing soul. He is the most high God. You can't get any higher than being raised up together and made to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can't get any higher than having a peace of God that passes all understanding. Where everyone in this world is wringing their hands and they're going crazy and not able to cope. You can't get any higher than being in the presence of God. See, we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and in truth. See, our Father is a spirit being. He has made us speaking spirits. And He's given us the ability to come and connect with Him. To connect with Him in the realm of the Spirit. To connect with Him in worship. Wow. Wow. Last August, I went and visited my 96-year-old mom. Me mom. 
me mummy. And mum and I had tin crumpets together. She is quite a case, let me tell you. I got in big trouble. I took her to Target and I bought her all this food and bought her a coffee maker and, you know, an iron and everything. She's not supposed to have that in the living assisted place. Because she leaves the iron on. She's not supposed to cook. So my sister Lucy said, Mock, mock, what are you doing? But anyway, that has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. Swan, you know, I got a 96-year-old mom. I got good genes, but I got better genes in him. And I'm going to live long and live strong. How about you? You going to live long? You going to live strong? You going to finish your race? You going to finish your course? You ain't going to let your race finish you. That's you, you, me. Amen. See you at the winner's circle. See you over at, hey, winner's circle. That's you, that's me. Now, Minnesota Twins went to their game in August, back to see Mum. And seventh inning stretch comes along and we're singing, take me out to the ball. You know, you know that song? Some of you look like you could use a seven inning stretch right now. <laughs> anyway. But then they start playing this song during the seventh inning stretch. I got friends in low places. You heard that song? I got friends in low places. When things get bad, I'm heading down to the oasis or the hollow leg or whatever. And when times get real tough, I'll have another shot of whiskey. And the guy says, I'll be all right. (laughs) You know, I'll be all right. Can't even do it in a northern accent. It had to be a southerner, for heaven's sake. <laughs> and all these people, you know, just drowning their sorrows with beer and brats. There's a friend from Cleveland. He can relate. And I'm thinking, low places, friends in low places. La-ti-da. That doesn't get you anywhere. Because friends in low places are living on a lower level in life and they're serving the most low. Listen, you don't get any lower than crawling around in the ground in your belly. Serpents, scorpions, friends in low places, demons, devils, alcoholics, heroin addicts. You got friends in low places? Are they going to be there for you in your midnight hour? Tell me. Are they going to be able to pray the prayer of faith with you? Or are they just along for the ride? You know I'm preaching good right now. I don't want any friends in low places. I'm going to go into the low places and I'm going to lift, blessed be God, people out of the low places. And I'm going to bring them to the mountain and introduce them to the most high God. And then they'll be able to say like you and like me, 
we're connected. We've got friends in high places. Lift your hands up and thank him right now. We've got friends in high places. We got friends in high places. Woo! Glory to God. I got friends in high places. I got the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. I got angels. Hallelujah. This scripture comes up in my spirit. Oh, taste, saints, and see that the Lord is good. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, let him come unto me and take a drink of this water that'll never dry up. This water shall be in you a well of life, springing up into everlasting life. And out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. You and I are connected. We're connected. And in worship, we go to a place this world can't go to. Listen, corporately, but also individually. We were here a couple Wednesday nights ago preaching on the blood and we experienced a tangible presence of the Lord. Some of you were there. And what I saw in my spirit was this, that in His presence there was a transaction of glory taking place. That as we were giving glory to Him, He was giving back glory to us. Now listen, and in that glory was the ability to do things that we'd never been able to do before. The Lord showed me some people going into the throne room that night and that God was equipping them with grace and anointing and a mantle to do the things that they had been called from before the foundation of the world to do. But they hadn't been able to do because they hadn't been where they needed to be. But now that they've gone where they needed to go, God has poured out His Spirit and equipped them with the ability to do great and glorious things. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. So, Number one, maintain this union by abiding in the Word. Number two, maintain it by being a worshiper of God. Number two, number three, pray. Just pray. That's what prayer is. Prayer is communion with God. I said in the earlier service, and I'll say it again, I'm not talking about something esoteric, something way out here that you cannot obtain. You can do this. You can do this. You can do it, if you will. Turn me quickly. Two more scriptures. Well, First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians five sixteen verse 18. Are you here today? Are you happy today? We're learning to abide. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. Rejoice evermore. That's a good start. But let's back up a little bit. First Thessalonians 5, 16. Oh, hallelujah. Rejoice always. Pray without what? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry. Be happy. A good try. Didn't work, but... Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Listen, if you're not going to worry, what are you going to do? You're going to be happy and you're going to pray. Live a life of communion with God. And when you do, listen, friends, there's a peace that passes understanding that will come upon your life. And it will guard you in difficult times. And then lastly, number four, and not least, meditate in God's Word. Meditate in God's Word. What does the word meditate mean in the Hebrew? The word meditate simply means to ponder, doesn't it? To think on. How many of you have ever had a creative day? I mean, everybody needs to stop and think. Right? I had one of those days on Thursday. Brenda says, how are you doing? I said, I'm having a creative day. In other words, I'm thinking, I'm pondering, I'm dwelling, I'm meditating. I'm thinking outside the box. I'm thinking what should be and what might be and what could be. I'm dwelling, I'm pondering, I'm meditating. Amen? Well, listen, that's what it means to be in the Word. It means to mutter it, to utter it, to talk to yourself about it. And to think about how it applies to you. If you are going to abide in His presence, you must be a meditator of God's Word. And not like those Easterners with their eyes crossed going, Oh. No, we've got something substantial to meditate on. We're not meditating on some mantra. We're not meditating on some Eastern religion word. That spins you off into who knows and where. But we're meditating on the word. Amen. Look at Joshua 1.8. Are you still here? Yes. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Let's read it together. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Does anyone in their life want to be successful? How about being a successful grandparent? How about a successful mom or dad? How about a successful business person? How about just having success in your life to the point where you are so prosperous, you just don't know what to do with all the success you have. This comes from the Word. From thinking on it, speaking in it, dwelling in it, and letting it abide in you richly. Four simple principles. Number one, everyone say, I will abide in the Word. Secondly, I will be a worshiper of God. Thirdly, I will be a prayer. And fourthly, I will meditate upon the word of the living God. Amen and amen. A couple quick scriptures. You know what? The devil would like to keep you off this path. But the benefits and the blessings of abiding are so many, I can hardly recite them all. Let me just give you a couple. The Bible says the upright shall dwell in his presence and he will not withhold anything from those that do. And lastly, turn to Psalm 84 verse 4 in the Amplified Version. 
Did you wear your shouting clothes today? In a moment, we're going to have communion. And listen, friend, if you'll just act on what I've preached today all week long, by next week, you'll be different. You'll be different. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at this. Blessed, empowered to prosper, happy and fortunate and to be envied are those who dwell in your house and in your presence. They will be singing your praises. All what? All day long. And then he says, Selah, pause and think calmly of that. Now I want to give you some homework before we have communion. So listen very carefully. Here's what the Lord showed me at the end of last service. The Lord showed me that picture of Martha and Mary when Jesus came to the house to have some supper. And what the Lord began to, 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 to show me was this, is that he was displeased with Martha because Martha made wrong choices. And he said, now Martha, she says, you are encumbered about with much serving. Thomas translations, you're careful and you're full of anxiety about many things. And you've allowed this to rob, you've allowed to be robbed of your benefit of your favor of fellowship. And then I saw Mary. And Jesus points to Mary and says, you know what? But Mary has chosen that good portion. In other words, Mary made the right choice. And he said, now this won't be taken from her. And he said, now why don't you follow Mary's example? And here's what I saw. This week, you're going to face a lot of choices. You're going to have a choice to worry. Or you're going to have a choice to be in peace. The good portion is choose peace over worry. Some of you may have a choice to get in an argument. But don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. Make the right choice. What's the right choice? The right choice is the love walk. And this love walk never fails. You talk about having success. Many of you will have choice to stay in front of the television three or four hours. Well, Pastor Mark, it's my way of relieving stress. Is it? Or is it just becoming a vegetable? Choose the Word. Choose His presence. And you'll be blessed.